are listening to Stories from Palestine podcast, a podcast recorded in Palestine and about Palestine. My name is Crystal. I am originally from the Netherlands and I am married to a Palestinian. We live in Beit Safafa between Jerusalem and Bethlehem and we run Singer Cafe and Al Chisar Bar in Beit Sahur. Before moving to Palestine in 2013, I worked as a teacher and tour guide in the Netherlands. I have a degree in history and in tour guiding and many years of tour guiding experience. Due to the COVID pandemic, tourism in Palestine came to a complete halt and that's why I started Stories from Palestine podcast in August 2020. This is the second year of the podcast with every week on Monday a new episode about the history and heritage of Palestine as well as the reality of life today. I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Today's episode was recorded on a field just outside the village of Al-Ghadr, near to the Route 60, a bypass road that Israel made for the settlers that live in the Gush Etzion area, in the heart of the West Bank, and down from a settlement that is expanding on the lands of Palestinians. I joined a morning in the olive planting program of the Olive Tree Campaign, a campaign that I used to work for myself between 2008 and 2016. This is the campaign that brought me to the West Bank for the first time in October 2006, when I joined an olive harvest program with them. And that changed my life forever. That experience made me want to come back to Palestine again and again. And in 2008, I became the coordinator of the Dutch support campaign that still exists today and is called Plant an Olijfboom, Plant an Olive Tree. And if you understand Dutch, then you can listen to the episode I recorded with Esther, the current director of the foundation that the campaign has grown into being, and you can find the link in the show notes. On a chilly Friday morning, I drove my car over a bypass road and then a dirt road towards the field where a group of about 50 volunteers were busy planting olive trees. I'm standing on a hilltop in Al-Ghadr area and I'm overlooking the terraces that are going down from the top of the mountain towards the valley. These terraces have been built over time to protect the land from landslides and it also helps with the irrigation. And I can see that this land has been partially used for vines growing grapes and it's kind of newly that the farmer decided to plant olive trees to protect this land first of all the olive trees will give a good produce and that is an income for the farmer but also it will help with the protection of the land when there are coming claims for confiscation from the Israeli authorities because land that is planted is much harder to legally take away from the farmer. And because the olive tree doesn't need that much water and care, 
So it is easy for the farmers to choose for the olive trees to plant rather than to continue planting more grapes because grapes, they need much more care and much more pruning. I see a group of about 50 people, some foreigners, a lot of young Palestinians who are helping the farmer today. They are digging holes, planting young olive tree saplings, and then they use a plastic white tube to cover the small leaves of the tree because they say there are deer and other animals that would otherwise nibble on the trees and then they would die before they get the chance to grow older. So there is a lot of action, a lot of activity going on. It is half sunny, half cloudy today and it's not very warm. It's a bit cold, but most people I think are getting hot from <laughs> digging the ground. I see the coordinator of the campaign and I'm going to see if he has time to answer a few questions. Ibrahim and me, we go way back. Yeah. I think we met each other in 2006 or seven, And I think that you are already working with the JI from way before that time. How long have you been doing this job? I started with the JI in late 2003. And this is actually the year or the year before when the campaign actually started. The campaign started actually 2001. So just one or two years afterwards, I started. So today or this year, actually, we celebrate the 20th anniversary for the Olive Tree Campaign. Here we are today with a group of international volunteers, activists, and some Palestinian teenagers and youth helping the Palestinian farmer family in this part of the Bethlehem area. And that is related to Al-Khadr village. The area here or the land is surrounded by various Israeli settlements that are expanding on almost daily basis. This means that the lands here are subjected to uh, confiscation. This is beside the settlers' attack from time to time. So this is the chance for the international volunteers to express their solidarity and support and also for the Palestinian youth to also show solidarity, uh, to also tell their stories to the internationals and so on. The trees we plant in such areas are sponsored by international partners, including the Dutch Olive Tree Campaign uh, and other other partners from other countries. So these trees we plant today are, are part of the 45, 46,000 olive trees we are distributing and planting in Palestine this year among around 700 farmers in 40 villages across the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. And do you know how many olive trees have been planted through your campaign since the very beginning? I guess it's more than 240, 250, between 240 to 250,000 olive trees have been distributed and planted through the olive tree campaign throughout the years. And it's ongoing, you know, because the demand is also not increasing, but there is more and more demand. Uh, many farmers approach us every year. I mean, we give trees to a certain number of farmers, but still, if, if we have more trees, more sponsorships, we would be able to give more and more farmers, which will support them and help them maintain their land more. Because the farmers approach us not only for the tree, they approach us for the sponsorship behind these trees, the protection behind these trees, which are the international sponsors and activists. So if something happens to their field and trees, they know that those internationals will know, they will get the story, and they will do something, you know, back in their organizations and countries. This is also, beside having these trees 
keep hope alive for these uh, these farmers and their families, showing them that there are people from various countries, including the Netherlands and other countries, want them to stay in their land, to uh, maintain their land, and they know about the story of their land. And, and if something happens to the land, they will they will know and act and so on. Yeah, because your campaign is called Keep Hope Alive, but it is run by something that has a very long name, like most NGOs here, the Joint Advocacy Initiative of the YMCA East Jerusalem and the YWCA. So... Can you explain that? Yes, you know, the cabin is run by the GI. It's a joint program or joint initiative between the YMCA and the YWCA in Palestine that is running this uh, this campaign. Besides, of course, the GI is an advocacy program. So the idea of the campaign also, besides showing solidarity and support to the farmer, is to have these sponsors and international partners do actions, you know, to do advocacy work in their countries, to tell the story, to spread the story about Palestine, the stories of of farmers, to uh, put some pressure or communicate with decision makers in their countries, to change countries' policies towards putting Israel or making Israel accountable to international law and human rights. And this, of course, in turn, will also maintain Palestinian land and save land and it makes, you know, the Israeli military and settlers more accountable to some extent to international law. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. We're all a bit How? muddy this morning. How's the soil? The soil is very good. It's wet. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, I changed my shoes because I remembered from last year's how much I mud. Well, we've <laughs> yeah. been given wellies, thankfully, and uh, but I have more soil on my wellies. <laughs> than I uh, came with. So. It's a big group today. It is, yeah. We've got help from the youth, young people, so it's lovely. We have got good teamwork and I have got two strong young men helping me. Yeah. Hassan and Tamir. Tamir Abu Hilal. My name is Crystal. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. What are you doing? We are protecting the young olive tree from animals, eating it so it can grow strong and healthy. A white plastic cover so it can keep growing without the deer. So we've been writing on some of them. We did that one, planted with love. And this now says in Arabic, it says, Zarat b'mahab. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you basically you're giving a message to each one of the I trees. Am. Yes, to grow strong and healthy and provide a good harvest for the farmer. Yeah. I saw on the a sign at the beginning of the field, I saw your name. What is that all about? Oh my goodness, it's a bit of a long story. Mm-hmm. I'll see if I can make it short. But uh, last year I turned 60 and the year before I had decided because of my love of Palestine to uh, set up a little project to get uh, some trees sponsored, 60 to mark my 60th birthday to leave a lasting legacy in Palestine for the peaceful future. And it turned out to be much more successful than I originally thought. And now I have 106. So they have been planted in two locations and they can support two families. 
Wow. So these were sponsored by your friends and family back well, home? Yes, it's a variety of um, mostly from the UK, but uh, from the US, Canada, Australia, Switzerland, the Netherlands, Denmark. Wow, you have people all over the world. <laughs> How many times have you been here? My first time of ever coming was in 2011 on a pilgrimage and it was that that planted the little seed in me and uh, I then decided to come in 2014. I was looking for a way to join in the olive harvest and I discovered the JAI program. So yeah, I came in 2014 and then I came in 2015, 2018. Uh, in 2019, I actually came with the Amos Trust uh, on a different tour and then this is my first time back since covid Yeah. Uh, to join the planting for the first time because I've always joined the Olive Harvest program. So, Oh, and how do you see the difference between the two programs? Well, it's very cold. <laughs> uh, so um, I don't do well in the cold, actually, but I am determined and uh, I, I get my inspiration from the Palestinian people who are very resilient and uh, inspirational. So they drive me forward. Yeah. If we had listeners to the podcast who were doubting whether they should go planting or harvesting, what would be your suggestion? Uh, I don't know. I mean, just just come, just come, because you have to come to see what the story here and then you must go home and tell it so whether you enjoy planting or you enjoy the harvest just please come and besides working on the land what are the things that you do during such a program okay we yes we get taken to ngos around the area the bethlehem area and to hear the geopolitical situation from their perspective So, and we do uh, tours. We've had a tour of the old city in Jerusalem and around Bethlehem. We went to a refugee camp. And tomorrow we go to the Palestine Museum of Natural History to meet with Professor Marzen Kumsia, which will be really good. Yeah, so it's really a lot of different aspects. You It see is. people, you meet locals, you work on the land, uh, you do excursions. And then in the evening, there's sometimes there are activities too. If you don't fall asleep after dinner, <laughs> you um, can watch the films or we get to hear people speak. So that's really, it's all so much information. Yeah. You need a holiday when you go back. <laughs> hey, and today I see a lot of other people. There is a lot of local Palestinians here. Can you say something like who who are you and why are you here today we are today we have an uh, jai we want to plant uh, some olive uh, trees to tell that to the people in another the, the world why we are here we are still here no one will uh, let us go in this my country yeah and this is what we are want to give the word about this Palestine and free Palestine. Yeah, free yeah. Palestine. Free Palestine. <laughs> Good morning, Jeff. Hello, Crystal. Hello. You covered, recovered from the plague then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While walking up the hill, I realized that my lungs are still a little bit tired. But yeah, I tested negative a few days ago, so I'm all right. How are good, you? Good, excellent. Yeah. Yes, yes, nice to be here. Yeah. How is it going here in the field? It's good, it's good. Yes, we've, we've got uh, students from Betzahor and kids from uh, Daisha Camp and from uh, Al-Qaeda village with us today. 
so that's why there are so many. Celebrating 20 years of the olive program. Wow. Yeah, that's why there are so many. We're, we're planting part of the 43,000 trees that they've sold this year. 43,000, that's a huge number. This is Alison, it, the part of the trees. She she was getting 100 trees for her birthday and this is part of her trees today. Yeah, I just saw a sign on the beginning of the yeah, field. Yeah. Oh, I see donkeys. They are bringing even more, more trees up the hill. How many people are participating in this year's programme? Um, eight participants and two volunteers from Norway, so ten. And so... The other days that you were planting, you were with much less people in the field. We, on Wednesday, we had some ladies from Austria who who uh, joined us for about an hour on their way to Hebron. So as part of their as part of their tour to Hebron, they came and joined us in the field. You know, white 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 pumps and and long dresses, but. Uh, <laughs> Every time is another experience. Do you think that you're already done or is there more no, to come? He's bringing more. I think there's more more to go. But it's a bit easier today because he's already dug the holes. Oh, the holes were already dug. I was, I was surprised because I thought with him being so near the settlement and so near the bypass that he wouldn't even have staked out in case the settlers came. But he'd actually already done the holes today. So, so the work for you guys is less is hard. The work is easier. Yeah, yeah. And how many times did you join the program so far? Uh, this is my third planting, but I've done about eight or so of the uh, the harvesting. And I've had three trips cancelled because of COVID. I've I've booked for the last three trips and kept kept moving the flights. It was very strange so I've still last got two years. Ready for October that were that were from that were from two Octobers ago. <laughs> so you're coming again? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've moved the October flights to one October and then to another, and I moved the February flights to this one. Yeah. So what is it that attracts you so much to keep coming back to Palestine? I just I just find it really nice. The people are so friendly. It, it just solidarity with the situation and everything. Uh, to me. To, to make it easier to come through the airport, I always stay in Israel the first night and the last night. But it is such a relief to get past that red sign and you feel feel much safer as soon as you pass the red sign that, that says Israelis be afraid for your lives. <laughs> <laughs> These red signs that you're in Area A now, right? Yes, it, 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 means you're, it means you're much safer. Yeah. Yeah, and you made friends for life here, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it's a shame this time because we're so few. We're staying in the YMCA. Normally, I stay with families. It's, but I understand with COVID that some families don't want people staying and things. It's, yeah. uh, but it makes it easier for the the trip that everybody's together. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah, so usually when you come, you stay I, with a local family. Stayed with local families, yeah, different families each time, and but they're usually relatives of the people I've stayed with before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's a small community. Good morning. What is your name? Where are you from? And why are you here? So my name is Lindsay. I'm from Reading in UK. And I've come because I want to show solidarity with the Palestinian farmers. Yeah. <laughs> and help with the... I know, I know how difficult it is for them to plant because they're so near the settlements and they get a lot of opposition. So uh, it's good to have an international presence here. And obviously the last couple of years, uh, because of the pandemic, it's been very difficult for them. There have been no, not many internationals here. So um, it's really great to be back and, and planting. Back. So that means it's not your first time here. 
No, um, I've I've come many times, not just planting, but picking olives. Um, sometimes rebuilding demolished houses with a group from UK, and yeah, many and many times I've also been uh, in Jerusalem three months as a human rights observer. So I'm very attached to the land of Palestine. <laughs> Do you remember when and how you, for the first time, knew about Palestine and started to be more interested, learning about it, coming here? Yes, definitely. It was. It was um, when I was 17, which is a very long time ago. I came and worked on a kibbutz with some Jewish friends, and I very much saw the Jewish narrative. And I, I didn't really know anything about the Palestinian story. And then later on. Uh, my husband got a, a job where he was had a sabbatical and he was working in Nazareth, in um, Nazareth Hospital. And we began to hear people's stories from 1948, where, uh, the Nakba, when uh, so many Palestinians were uh, evicted from their homes. And, um, and that was the moment when it all made sense and I realized the injustice of the situation. So it was from then, really, 1992. And then the, you know, obviously you learn more and more and it doesn't get any better, really. I mean, you can compare the situation to 20, 30 years ago. I can, yes. And when in 1992, we would drive down through the West Bank to visit Jerusalem. There was no wall. And although there was injustice it wasn't um as as awful as it is now with the the checkpoints and the the huge separation wall and and the suffering really it, I, I'm, people were suffering but it yeah it was different yeah and how do you see that planting trees helps palestinians well olive trees in particular are are the livelihood of many Palestinian farmers and uh, as well as being their livelihood they're very symbolic to Palestinians and I think it's just really important to support them in this because a lot of trees get ripped up by settlers this happened five years ago when I came we planted a field of something like 200 trees one day and in the morning they'd all been ripped up by the nearby settlement so if we can come and help them replant it's um it's something we can do yeah it's an act of resistance just to be here and not to leave and not to get frustrated every time when they take down the trees but to say well if you take them we'll replant them yes i don't know how they stay because obviously the israeli intention is to clear the land of Palestinians, you know, ethnic cleansing. And I think um, they they show great sumud, you know, the, the steadfastness. And um, they're always happy and smiling and positive. And um, I respect them very much. Thank you. Hey, hello. Hello. What are you doing? I'm, uh, I record a podcast. Are you also from Beit Zahur, like the others? or? Yeah, I'm from Beit Zahur. And how did you know about this day? We actually are volunteers with the YMCA. We've been uh, volunteers for almost six years now. 
this our third or fourth time. Well, especially me, it's my fourth time coming here. Not especially to this place, but we've always been planting uh, olive trees all around. We went once in Warifukin, once in uh, Jab'a, and now we're here. So it's been a really amazing experience, actually, just having all these people here, volunteers, actually, from the YMCA and also from Britain and uh, Norway, Denmark. It's actually such a beautiful experience. Yeah. Can I ask you, how old are you? I'm 20 years old. And what is your name? Anthony. And Anthony, what do you think, why is it so important to plant olive trees? Why can't the farmers just do that on their own? Because an olive tree for us is means how we stand our ground. How we dig deep in the ground just to let, so we can put olive trees. The same thing as for ourselves as Palestinians. We dig our hopes inside our lands just like an olive tree and just let it grow. That's why we believe that this land is ours and it's going to stay ours for as long as it is. So we stand an olive tree just to say that this is our symbol of uh, standing here in Palestine. This is our land. Yeah, so for you and for these young people, it's part of feeling the connection with the land. And uh, you've been born in a country that has been under occupation since ever. Yeah, like you've yeah. never experienced freedom. Have you ever traveled? Well, I am one of the lucky people that actually traveled. My family actually, after the 1948 occupation, left. So my great-grandpa, he left. I was actually born in Latin America. However, I'm 100% Palestinian. So... Coming back to my homeland is a beautiful experience and I hope to stay here. I hope to build up and actually create a change in this Palestinian community because us as Palestinians, we do not have the power to actually do something. However, we're working towards making a change, yeah. all of us in here. Which country in South America? Honduras. So you grew up there until what age? Until I was 10 years old. I was living in Honduras and then I came here when I was fifth grade. Had to learn a new language. It was pretty hard. However, it's such a beautiful experience just to now know Arabic, uh, the Palestinian culture. It's something we love. Sometimes it has its uh, benefits. Sometimes it has the negative benefits. However, it's a beautiful experience. And we love just to hear a volunteer uh, all around Palestine with the YMCA and other organizations too, just to help around and make a change. That's wonderful. You know, I did an, a podcast episode a few weeks ago about the Palestinian diaspora in Chile. And there are really? so many Palestinians in Chile, but you grew up in Honduras. If you compare Honduras and Palestine, what are the main things you would say differences between the cultures? So there are many differences. Um, as, it, as it is known that Honduras is really a, a dangerous country, more than here. So I've never really experienced freedom as in any other place in the world. So I didn't have the freedom to move around as much. Um, education wasn't as good because it's a poor country. Even in Palestine now, uh, me and my parents believed that it was going to be healthier for us to go to an actual university and actually expand our horizons. However, we came to see that Palestine is also really, uh, the occupation is really bad for the Palestinian economy also. So we're just trying our best to actually get up and actually build our ground in Palestine. So what does your family do? Like, do they have a business or what, how do you make money in this country? Um, so most of the Palestinian economy revolves around tourism and people coming. And now with COVID, most of us are unemployed. My dad is unemployed. I, I used to work as a tour guide and a translator due to my many languages. However, now, since there is no tourism, uh, I have not been working. So, yeah, it's been pretty tough sometimes. However, just looking and voluntarily doing all these works with these many organizations is such a beautiful experience that makes me like happy. Even though sometimes, sometimes life may be hard, but still, 
it's beautiful just to see how many people and how tourism is also coming back to Palestine. Yeah. How you guys are all coming from different parts of the world makes me happy, makes everyone happy in Palestine. Yeah. Tourism is something we love here and just talking to tourists, getting to know them and them knowing our experiences as Palestinians. So to the podcast listeners, you would say, now that the airport is open again, you have to come. Please come. <laughs> Our arms are all wide open. You guys can come. Palestine is beautiful. If you actually sit with us, get to know us, get to know us Palestinians and not just judge us because of what you see in CNN or Fox News. I believe everyone should come to Palestine once in their life. And especially is the land of the city, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Beit Sahur, Beit Jala. This is the center of the world. This is where Christianity came from. Islam is from. Ju Judaism is from. We accept everyone. We're not racist whatsoever. We love everyone. And this is what we're born for. I love how you said everybody has to come to Palestine once in their life because yeah. today I've asked three people in the field and they've all not come once in their life. They've yeah. all started coming back every year in their yeah. life. So, yeah, it's addictive. It's addictive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's because... Hello. Hi. What's your name? I'm Sirin. Sirin, where are you from? From the Hesha camp. Oh, you're from the refugee camp. Yeah. Yeah. And where is your family originally from? Derafat. Derafat. Have you ever been to Derafat? No, I It's not possible for you. No, Why are you here today? Hello. Can I ask you a few questions? Who are you and where are you from? My name is Magnus uh, and I'm from Norway. I work as a journalist, so I'm here for a couple of months and um, joined this uh, program to um, get to know the area because besides planting olive trees, there's a lot of uh, good presentations and information. So for me as a young journalist, it's good to come here and get an introduction and to learn about the area so I can um, be more confident and uh, do good reports. If you compare yourself now, five days into the program and before, what is it that you say, ah, this is something really new I learned that I hadn't any clue about? Well, first of all, the reality of the situation here on the West Bank, it's uh, something um, different than I imagined. It's much worse than I expected. It's uh, an eye-opener for sure. For sure, yeah. This might sound like a cliche, but there's something to the saying that you don't know before you see it yourself. And still, I, I have just been here for five days. I don't really don't know how it is to live here. But it's good to, to meet a lot of uh, people, the farmers, to learn about their daily struggles during this occupation with the settlements and stuff like this. And um, my journalistic antennas are out <laughs> and I'm just taking it all in. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Yeah. And what would you say, how did you understand the importance of olive tree planting for the Palestinians? Well, um, because of uh, Israel controls all the water supplies and distribution on the West Bank, it's hard for the farmers to uh, make a profitable living doing agriculture. So um, I learned that the olive trees don't need a lot of fertile soil. They don't need a lot of water. The farmers also 
has said that with the help from local and international organizations, it gives them hope. So that's good. Yeah. So yeah, I am. Um, I came here with uh, didn't realize what we we're going to do actually. But uh, so I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to help plants. Not much, but it's honest work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as they say in Arabic, Yatikel Af, yeah, give you a lot of health and thank you for the work. Yeah, it's amazing. Good. Mohanad, we are here in Al Ghadr village. Can you explain us why, in particular, this farmer needs support? Yeah, in particular, this farmer, his land is really like near the Israeli settlement of, uh, we, they call it Hanan. Hanan it seems like a person who started this uh, settlement. And the settlement is expanding all the way uh, to the land. If you look in the top of the mountain, you will see the houses of uh, of the settlements and you can see the settlers. Also, the settlers sometimes take hikes and they walk in this place. So when it's planted, it's more protection. What I know also, personal stuff about the farmer, he's that kind of poor, so he's in need. And it's small family, so he needs hands, you know, to come here. And that's what we're doing. Like, we just try to give him support. Now, sometimes we hear that olive trees have been planted and that settlers come and they take them out again. So why, as an olive tree campaign, do you think it is still useful to plant trees if they are being destroyed anyway? To be honest, we do like some arrangements before we come to the field. What we do is that we ask for the ownership papers from the farmer and we make sure he owns it and there is no problems with the papers and with the land. Also, when we choose the land, we choose it in a place where it could survive. Like we don't throw all the trees in the very risky areas. We had a study, more than 95% of our trees grow. You know, 5% of them either uprooted by the settlers, which is normal, like, I mean, to happen because they uproot all the time our trees and other trees. So that's very normal to have attacks from the Israelis. We we expect that. Second, it's because of the nature and the environment and, you know, the lack of water in these areas in Area C. So 5 to 7% we lose every year. And what we do is that we choose farmers who can really give care of the land. They are obliged you know, to come to the land and to take care of the trees and to water it and, uh, you know, reclaim it and just to take care. So these are the things that we, we take care of or we consider before deciding these trees will be for this farmer. Allah said that the soldiers show up. He, yeah? Like he asked me to hurry, he asked us to hurry oh, up. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. It seems that a group of soldiers arrived to the field. 
And uh, they are telling me that it's better if I don't move on my own to go to my car, but it's better to leave as a group. And they are going to have a lunch now, so they are telling me to eat something together and then to leave the field together. Let me check with Mohannad what he says. سفيحة بالبيت اللي هي مكوناتها لحمة وخبز وكولا ولبن يلا زاكي وشو صار مع الجيش شو بدهم؟ الجيش بيحتاجوا عشان في جمهور على جنب المستوطنة اللي هي اللي فوقنا وبدون تنسيق مسبق معهم طب شو بتفكر وانا بطلة لحالي هلا؟ <تصفيق> لا ما بصير شيء الوضع ما بصير شيء فيش شيء يخوف فيش شيء يقلق احنا متعودين على هيك ظواهر ظواهر زي هيك ما بتخوف هم بس من ناحيه انه كان في جمهور كبير على جنب الشارع خافوا من جنب الشارع بس ما في شيء يخوف اوكي محمد there is some uh, israeli soldiers came just now to the field did they say anything yes they asked us to leave in 10 minutes even though it's, you know, they own the land. But they said you are in a place where you can't be and you have to leave. What would happen if you wouldn't leave? I mean, we have young people. I don't want to make any trouble, you know. So I have to bring the kids outside of the field. Yeah, but we finished planting, right? Almost, yes. But they need to eat. And then they said they have 10 minutes only to eat and to leave. Oh. Okay. So I don't know how to do it. <laughs> but we will try. Yeah. yeah, you can let them eat while they are walking. Yes. I can hear the uh, coordinators of the campaign saying that everybody should pick up quickly one of the pastries that were made. Shukran! I just got some drink from this nice little girl. Um, so we should pick up some of the Sfiha and Zatar that they made and then walk all together so we can pass by the soldiers as a group rather than having individuals being questioned or being uh, harassed by them. So now it is going to be a challenge to get 50 people to get food and to walk back to the bus. I'm Hollandia, but Josie is I took my Sviha and I walked with the Norwegian volunteer down the hill to see if the soldiers were still there. I saw that they had left and I decided to continue walking down to my car because I wasn't sure what the soldiers were planning and I didn't want to get stuck if they came back with reinforcements. I checked with the organization later and everything went all right. They ate their lunch and they left the field without problems. If you want to see some photos of the olive planting and if you want to know more about the JAI and the olive tree campaign and their programs to travel to Palestine to maybe join an olive harvest or an olive planting yourself in the future, then go to the show notes to find the links. Thank you for listening to Stories from Palestine. If you enjoy the podcast, then here are several things you can do to support the show. 
Tell your friends about the podcast. Share some of the social media posts on Instagram or Facebook. Start following the YouTube channel. You can also hear the podcast audio there. And soon I will start uploading videos. Sign up for the email list so that you get a reminder with a clickable link to the new podcast episode. And in the future, you will be updated about programs and trips that I will start to organize. And of course, you can donate to help me pay for hosting the podcast and the website and all the related recording costs. It's the only source of income I have at the moment, so you can imagine how much I appreciate every cup of coffee or falafel sandwich that you buy me on the coffee platform. All the links that you need can be found in the show notes and on the website storiesfrompalestine.info. That's it. I hope you will tune in again next week. <laughs>